Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm AB, joined as always by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing just as well as I've done before. Take that as you will. Uh, But, you know, I'm doing all right. Uh, The countdown's on. I mean, Friday and then in two weeks, all out and... Had to say my hype levels going into tonight's show were kind of off the charts for a TV show that I was like, I don't know how this episode of Dynamite's going to be, but the hype is maintained and, you know, it's full steam ahead to the first dance and y'all are going to have a little bit, a little bit of a get together this week. It sounds like, uh, yes, the, the boy, the absolute boy is going to be in the building. That's me, AB. AB for absolute boy. I just actually didn't put that together wow. when I said it. Wow. <laughs> but it kind of came okay. together for me. Uh, yeah, I decided to make the trip to Chicago uh, to hopefully see CM Punk, but there was literally not even a fucking nod to it other than Kenny Omega's shirt on this show. So who knows? Nate, uh, you're here ah. and you're also ah. going to be at uh, Rampage. So what's up? Yeah, I'm going to be there. Uh, we're going to be sitting together apparently. So that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I got, uh, you know, I got two full work days to get through. Uh, but then it'll be time for the biggest crowd in AEW history. at The United center in sold out Chicago, the sold out United center in regular Chicago, uh, mask mandated Chicago. <laughs> that's right. The, uh, Perhaps potentially the most disappointed crowd in AW history. No, not <laughs> not potentially that. You, you make yourself sound a little bit like um, you have some psychological trauma or like a, a paranoia problem when you keep entertaining this idea that CM Punk is not on the show. I just find the build to it so strange. I find it very weird. It just... And maybe it's good, you know, because if he shows up, then it's like, it feels <laughs> you good. You don't need to say it. <laughs> I just think it's been so weird, man. I I, I think like I if, could not... <laughs> if I wanted a million people to watch my show on Friday night, I just don't think this is how I would have done it. That's all. Oh, well, you know, you know, call call TK when you're running the hottest wrestling promotion in the world. And then, yeah. and then you can talk on that. How's my territory coming? That's cetera, that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, guess I went so. with the less less traditional call this other promoter <laughs> when your promotion's really good too, man. <laughs> sure, sure. So, 
Yeah, well, I don't. I mean, I do have a work day ahead of me, and then uh, four and a half to five hours of driving. Um, hey, that's better than a work day. Shit. Perhaps insane, but I just, uh, as I said on light this morning, if this happens, it's going to be a huge moment. I mean, it's going to be really fucking fun. If it's unnecessary. <laughs> it's oh, going to be cool. I was, I was, I was there at Money in the Bank 2011, um, and it was pretty incomparable, even being all the way in the back corner nosebleeds of the Rosemont Horizon Allstate Arena, uh, where I was, but remember it to this day. So I didn't forget it. I did not forget that event. I just watched that match the other day. Uh, I mostly remember, of course, everybody being nuclear hot for it, but then the one botch where he tries to land out of the FU and slips and lands on his ass. That's the, that's the, the main part of the actual match that I remember. The, the I may or may not have been watching several CM Punk matches lately, and in the Undertaker match, he tries to do uh, the elbow on the table, you know, and put Taker through the table, but yeah, he kind of doesn't exactly get there, <laughs> and he just thuds into the table. Very funny. You say you're being very coy about all these CM Punk matches that you've been watching. Everywhere you go, I don't think I'm being coy <laughs> about it. I think everybody knows what's going on. Okay, well, that's what Tony Khan would say to you about everybody knowing what's going on, except for you, who seems uh, to doubt him, despite all these very obvious and clear hints. I just think that if I do, you know, 10-ish hours of driving um, to this show on a Friday night, not staying anywhere, just turning around and driving back after the show, and he doesn't show up, it's going to be really fucking disappointing. <laughs> it's going to kill the promotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that, that's it. It's done. At that but it, it's not going to happen, so I'm no. not worried about it. I, right. I guess my thing about this is I would think that you would do something they could very easily put up on YouTube and Twitter to find to like further goose the TV numbers for Friday. And we didn't well, get that. I think Rawl had a great idea, which is the Michael Jordan facts. And you send out the facts that just says I'm back on it. Uh, that's a great, great nod to the whole theming with the United Center and the Bulls and Kenny doing this thing with. Michael Jordan. He just did the I'm back facts. But at this point, wouldn't you rather he just, you you did, still don't know until the music hits? Um, well, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to be there. So well, see, it's, that doesn't you... change. That doesn't change the anticipation that we're going to have on the night of, which is when is he coming out? That will be the thing that we're all waiting on tenterhooks. Is he going to be out in the first segment, in the second segment, is are they going to save them for the main event segment? That will be what we're all, you know, buzzing with anticipation about is when is this going to happen? Whether he's going to be on the show is not a question whatsoever. So, so what you're doing to me, Nate, is forcing me to want him not to be on the show so that we can just have an insane you, you need segment. To look, you, need to look inward, uh, you need to look inward on that and, and ask yourself why that's the the urge you want to take away from my feelings about. Uh, well, I'm, a, I'm an insane person. I don't think there's any, <laughs> any question about I that. I was thinking, of course, so you, you tweeted uh, the tease for our live show, which is listen to this and listen to me talk about why no more BS Paul White against QT is a money feud. And I thought, you know, that's why um, Aaron's a good person to do a podcast with, because I'm pretty sure I, I've got him figured out, but he still surprises me from time <laughs> to time with, with what he gets excited and up for. 
Yeah, well, I, I look forward to explaining that, which I will do almost certainly in the Elite segment. So that's a tease. How about that? All right. If you want to know other ways uh, I surprise Nate, make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Just search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice. Hit subscribe. You get the shows quickly. It helps us. If you're on the Apple Podcasts app, please give us a five-star rating and review. That also helps us. And of course, the best way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. It's a big month on the Patreon. It's going to be a lot of fun on our, our Rampage show this weekend, a double live report, and there might be something else coming. Uh, but so as usual, we're going to kick this show off with Elite. Or delete. Nate, don't pick. No BS. No more BS Paul White versus QT. Uh, what's your pick, bud? Wasn't going to. It's going to leave that for you. Uh, do you think you have, have me figured out for what I am going to pick, though? Uh, I mean, yes. Have I you, think I know what you're going to pick. Okay. Well, you need to start, again, DMing these to Mike or something so we can verify if you got it correct after the fact. Okay. Uh, as, a, as an objective third party. My elite segment on this show. The John Moxley promo. Oh, the I end was of wrong. Show. I, I just DM'd it to the Everything Elite group chat, and I was wrong. <laughs> you, you probably said the Young Bucks match, right? I did. I, no, no, okay. no. I said the opener. Oh, the opener. Actually. Oh, okay. Swerve. John Moxley promo. I thought this was a tremendous promo. This was exactly what we want from these John Moxley promos, where he's bringing the intensity, he's bringing the content, he's bringing the, uh, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, illustrative, metaphorical, big ideas in a promo that not everyone's able to pull off. Uh, you've got the classic John Moxley setting where he has to find an old construction site or some pipes or the, the boiler room, the bowels of the arena to stand in. Uh, and you even get like the little idiosyncratic things where for a second he forgets what he's going to say and he kind of repeats himself, but it just makes him feel more real and more urgent and more you know, visceral and in your face about, hey, this is the guy fucking speaking the truth to the camera and this is why you like him. Uh, and he's just going to be himself and and it fucking works. Uh, content of the promo is great. You know, they set it up as like a promo on Daniel Garcia because, of course, <laughs> AEW's hottest rising star, Daniel Garcia in 2.0, taking out John Moxley in the first segment on this show. Uh, so you think that he's just going to be doing this promo on Daniel Garcia and... Uh, and their match coming up on Rampage in a couple days. Daniel Garcia in the fucking United Center. Pretty wild. Uh, but, you know, there was he, he made some allusions to, you know, everybody wants a piece of AEW now. But I was there in the dark days. I put the company on my back. He was there from the beginning, uh, you know, making good points on all these things. There was, you know, I don't know how many uh, interminable CM Punk promote or, or feuds programs, I was going to say, in WWE were about, oh, you know, these guys are part-timers. They're coming back and taking our WrestleMania spots. And I've been here. I've been the champion for X many weeks. Uh, now we've got kind of the reverse side of that where, you know, John Moxley had the balls to walk out of WWE, sign on with the untested AEW promotion that some people on this network thought was going to lose to NXT. Um, and John Moxley was like, no, I'm going all the way with these guys. I'm signing a real full-time contract. Uh, and then I'm going to be the champion throughout the pandemic, empty buildings, putting the show and the promotion on my back. And, you know, I did all that work and now everybody's coming. CM Punk's coming. Brian Danielson's coming. Guys from New Japan want to talk about AEW on their show and every third promo. 
Uh, and John Moxley's, you know, got some got some righteous indignation about that, where he says, "Yeah, where were you? Because I was here putting in the work, and I'm on top. And if you want to be on top, I'm going to show you that it, you know, there's a cost to that." So, thought it was an awesome promo, got me hyped. You know, makes you remember why John Moxley's, you know, a great promo and a great character, and why he's super fucking over. Yeah, Moxley when he gives promos like this. I'm taking him back and he is the best promo in the world when he does stuff like this, like just incredibly simple stuff, just going insane, just getting pissed off that everyone else is getting credit that he deserves. And, you know, he was completely right about everything he said and then turned it on to Daniel Garcia talking about like, well, the referee and the, and the ringside medic, they're there for you, Daniel Garcia, because he is pissed. And I think that that rocked. And, you know, it's something that with like him kind of being downcycled over the last few months for obvious reasons, it's tight that he just like comes in here and within like 90 seconds, you're reminded like, oh, yeah, this guy is the dude and it rules. And, you know, Daniel Garcia is just it's just such a wild case of this is wrestling in 2021 and not um preparing yourself to be a hub on the Peacock app and just feeding content without any value or any sort of feeling behind it. Like there was just so much emotion out of John Moxley. He's, he was practically frothing at the mouth at the end of this. And, you know, he comes back and he has a sweet cut off denim jacket. He looks like swole as hell. And now we like look at rampage on Friday and there's a whole lot of interesting stuff going on here, and he accomplished all of that in 90 seconds. Yes, and our uh, was going to be my listener elite, but I'm not going to do it now. But I will refer to it anyway. Alex Ron Johnston, one of our great patrons, uh, he said, you know, that this promo reminded him kind of. It's like Mox really hasn't been focused on. Obviously, he was kind of on paternal leave or whatever. And he comes back and just reminds you that not only is he a great promo, but he is the ace of the company in a lot of ways. Uh, and that kind of remains, even though he's been gone for a little while. So I agree. I'm glad you uh, you pointed out the whole thing, Nate, about the, th this whole part where he's saying to Garcia, do you really want to be at the top of this promotion? Are you sure that's what you want? It's like, Pretty obviously, he's going at CM Punk, right? Or or Brian Danielson and saying, like, not only have I been the guy doing this, but it's fucking hard. Uh, Kenny Omega has to have all these guys to help him. Hangman Page can't fucking do it. Christian Cage is old and, and should be retired. This is difficult. Uh, and, you know, he could obviously say to, you know, CM Punk should have stayed retired ass the way he said to Christian uh, or that Danielson, you know, maybe should it's time for him to hang it up. And uh, it's it's compelling in a way that, like, I mean, Mox does great babyface promos that are just that are just good. But this is like, oh, I want to see you fight these people, which is obviously the idea of a of a great pro wrestling promo. But he nails it. Yeah, uh, it, and also it exists in the real world. This is exactly what you should do in a really great wrestling promotion, wrestling program, wrestling promo is incorporates things that are true and exist in the real world and make them part of the work. You, all these guys are coming in uh, and, you know, trying to take his spot. And, uh, you know, he was there putting in the work from the jump. So 
that that adds that extra element where you're like yeah you know it you know you got this little meat of your feud you got the reason for this feud but it's also like you know he's he's speaking some truth about it also i love that he's a baby face but half the people he calls out are baby faces in that it's like yeah that's why that's why he's moxie that's why he has a different uh you know he he occupies a different space in the promotion where he's not just your shiny happy baby face or whatever um it does I don't know if we really want to get into this, but it, it, I don't really know how I'm going to react to what CM Punk is in this promotion. Um, Cause I, we talked about when it was first rumored that he was coming in, that there's, you know, he, he kind of tanked a lot of his clout or brand uh, in the, in the more recent years of his retirement, doing the Fox show was brutal. You know, uh, uh, having the dispute with Cole Cabana about the legal fees is brutal. Uh, and, you know, doing all this stuff where he's, going in the media back and forth about AEW and saying, no, you know, they didn't, they didn't approach me like professionals. They were texting me or whatever, all this stuff, which is kind of like, dude, yeah, you know, you were in the WWE, you cut this pipe bomb promo, uh, talking about how you're going to leave, go to new Japan, go to ring of honor, take the title, do all this stuff. And everybody else is going to keep pouring money into the company. Um, but then other people actually did that. Other people actually left the WWE uh, actually went to New Japan, actually went to Ring of Honor, actually built their own promotion and did all that stuff that you kind of just talked about. Uh, and now you're basically coming in after they've succeeded in that and they're going to ride the wave. Um, so I don't know really how I'm going to react because obviously I'm very, I'm mostly excited about it from a, like a more of a business perspective. Like this is huge for AEW that it's, he's going to attract a casual or lapsed fan fan base that you know has been left behind by wrestling in recent years uh you know they're gonna have all the buzz in the world with mainstream media and uh, all that and it's all just gonna you know continue their ascent while wwe continues their descent that's like most of my excitement about it i think um but so i'm interested to see you know how i feel about him as like a dude and like a character like he can't just come in and be the pipe bomb guy who gets to point out that the wwe sucks ass because you know, that's this whole promotion is <laughs> this whole promotion is like, hey, everything we do, uh, you know, as a reaction also observes that what WWE doesn't do, you know, sucks ass for this reason. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Punk is like, yes, that part's exciting that we're we're in this moment. We're like living the thing where AEW makes its rise and we see WWE crumbling uh, the beginnings of the crumbling, and it's just fun to watch. It's fun to to be at the on the ground floor of this, and knowing that Punk coming in is uh, you know a big thing against them. Danielson coming in is going to be a big thing against WWE, and just keep propelling AEW. On the other hand, I just think it's going to be fun when the music hits. He comes out, the crowd's going to go insane. That's the whole reason. Yeah, that's that's why I'm driving 10 hours is for that. No <laughs> this question. is why you're driving 10 hours. Exactly. Uh, but there is no doubt. And I think I said this in the discord, maybe or somewhere else. I don't know. But CM Punk, uh, the person is a miserable dude. Just uh, he is going to absolutely, uh, you know, ruffle feathers backstage and not in a good way. You know, not in a good way. <laughs> and he's going to be irritating. And I don't know how long it's actually, I don't know how long the honeymoon will last with CM Punk, but I know this first part is going to be good. And I think overall he's going to be good for the promotion, but it could be 
somewhat exhausting uh, for the fans. I hate to talk about this now, you know, when it hasn't even happened yet, but uh, it's certainly, I don't see, it would be stunning to me if this doesn't end poorly in some way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that is also, you know, same with Moxley, that irritability and obnoxiousness and like, uh, you know, unwillingness to compromise or bend or any of those things. Also, part of why he's appealing to people and part of why people like he's our asshole or he was our asshole. Um, so, you know, you also don't want to take that away from him. That's true. I, and, you know, I, I don't know what explains the Fox thing. I don't know what explains the sniping at AEW that he kind of did. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know what explains those things, but those things I'm willing to write off and like move on from the, the Colt Cabana thing, I think has to be smoothed out in some way. Like I Colt Cabana is our guy. Colt Cabana is like so important to indie wrestling. And I mean, I know this isn't indie wrestling anymore, but he's so important to whatever the alternative to WWE is. Uh, he's a huge figure and he's beloved. And if they, if they can't squash that in some way, I think that is going to, it's going to at least hold me back on my willingness to embrace CM Punk in 2021. That's something I would like to see smooth. Also funny because Colt's Colt's image is also like the opposite where he's like, you know, jovial and gregarious and all these things that like CM Punk is not really. Um, that was the thing about watching the, the Money in the Bank match was uh, Colt Shout is, out. of course, at ringside and they're like interact with, with each with, other. With Scrap Iron Adam Pierce, I think? Uh, I don't remember. No, Ace Steel. Ace Steel. Ace Steel. Damn. And whoever's on commentary says like, Oh, CM Punk's slapping hands with his fans. <laughs> it's like, Scott, Scotty Goldman. And it's like, you fucking know who that is. <laughs> uh, on the BTE recap this week on the Patreon, mentioned that on the most recent episode of BTE, uh, Cole Cabana is wearing a Rosemont Horizon t-shirt, of course, the venue where that took place. Um, uh, not necessarily meaningful, because he definitely already owned a Rosemont Horizon t-shirt uh, and I'm sure wears it in his personal life. It's, you know, it's a great, great old school logo, great name, much better than the Allstate Arena. Uh, but also in that segment, Stu Grayson was wearing a shirt that had like the the fist gripping something like that CM Punk shirt with the, you know, lightning bolt and the Chicago stars. Uh, and they're, they're right. It's the two of them in the shot in the segment with these two shirts. Um, so hard, it could be entirely coincidental, but in terms of doing t-shirt hints at people or things to come, that is something they do in this promotion. So, Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about CM Punk in the future, I'm sure. Uh, Mike, I'm guessing your elite pick has nothing to do with CM Punk, so tell me what you no. got. I really love this main event. I thought that MJF was probably showing some of his best ring work he has in this promotion and that's something that mjf doesn't get enough credit for is actually being a really competent bell-to-bell -bell wrestler and in a lot of ways jericho looked good jericho looked as good as we've seen jericho in a normal match in a while but mjf in this in this main event just like the stuff he was doing to work the arm like the the really vicious looking judo throw into the corner, the double stomp spot ripping off eventually the 
the arm brace and the way that they worked around the finish to the assault of the earth. I thought that was really well done. And this was a win that kind of had to happen when they booked the feud the way it did. Like, just because like if Chris Jericho perseveres after all of this and beats MJF, then what does this really leave you at? But I thought MJF in this match, like, yeah, there were some shenanigans there. Like there was like the, the low blow. And then like the uh, Judas effect where Jericho did like the craziest face he's ever made on TV, realizing you could do the, the uh, Judas effect. But I, th- I was really Im- impressed with MJF. I felt like that, out of anything on the show, other than the Moxley promo that was just otherworldly, this was a thing on a show that, that that there was a lot of really fun stuff on the show, but it also was a show that was just incredibly exhausting for me personally. But like this main event, they kept it tight. It was like when this when this bell rang at nine forty five, I was like, all right, this has a chance because if this was just going to be full of melodrama and be thirty minutes long, we know that outcome. But instead, we had like this really well done match and really puts MJF in an interesting place and puts Jericho in an interesting place as well. This being the blow off the feud one would hope. And, you know, I came away with this. I thought this was a four star match. I thought it was really something kind of surprising to see how Jericho giving Jericho's most recent output. Yeah. I was happy to see this match deliver. Um, Cause I, uh, you know, talked last couple weeks about Jericho, just not, not looking up for the, big spots that he was given in his recent matches, even though, you know, they, they had a lot of to do around the matches to mask that somewhat. Uh, but, but I thought they delivered in this match and yeah, I, I've said, and I know uh, John wrestling Omakase has said that MGF really kind of underrated as a, as an in-ring worker. And I think that, uh, you know, was proven again to be the case here because, MJF, you know, really, uh, I thought carried this and and made this work in the big spot in the main event, which he's done, you know, a, cu- a couple times recently. There was that great match he just had with Sammy Guevara on television, um, and then you also had the added spectacle of all the people doing this Judas sing along at the top, of, which I, you know, assumed was their intent when they booked this stipulation. Uh, I think a really savvy, smart stipulation to add on to this that. Not only can it not do the finish, but you're going to take away the Judas sing along and you're going to make this moment out of it. Uh, and it, it, it works much better than I anticipated. I kind of thought people would get lost or whatever, wouldn't know when people are all starting, but the crowd pretty much got on the same page uh, relatively quickly. And, you know, it didn't seem like it was, uh, you know, cued. It didn't seem like they were piping in people singing or anything like that. It seemed like it was pretty much as organic as this was going to be. Uh, so that was a success. So yeah, this this was uh, this was a, a success, I think, and the right guy won in the end, which was you know really a lot did a lot for my my overall opinion of it. You know, if if they went out and had this good match within Jericho won, then I would be burying the entire show, I'm sure. But MJF went out and won, and now hopefully they're gonna you know move him on to the next thing and and elevate him again and have him uh, you know uh, have a, a fresh feud and fresh challenger and and really cement him on that top level uh tharos pointed out in the discord that mjf has one singles loss and it's to john moxley in the history of this promotion so he's been extremely well protected i your point at the top i think is fascinating in that i i was trying to think of anybody else who is in my opinion overrated as a promo and underrated as an in-ring worker and I just can't think of anyone else who exists 
on that level. It's like a very strange place to be yeah. in. Uh, because, yeah, I have I never liked MJF's matches before AEW. And I didn't see a ton, you know, but he would pop up. I'd see him in AAW or whatever. And I'd be like, eh, he was whatever. Uh, and that's kind of the, the view I took of him coming into AEW. But the more you watch him, it's just undeniable. Like the guy has some of the best matches in the promotion. Uh, the singles matches are often highlights. Even was it FTR Bald he had the the singles match with? Uh, I think that's I right. I think so. Yeah, that, I think that was right. in Jungle Boy. That was Jungle Boy, wasn't it? Oh, no, okay. Jungle. Well, but he had matches with Jungle Boy. But I think he had like one off match against FTR Bald. No, I think Jungle Boy had the FTR Bald match. I, Jungle I Boy and MJF right. no, oh, did right. also you're have right. a really yeah. good match. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, maybe that's it. Uh, so I'm I'm confusing those two. But my point is. He pretty much always delivers in singles matches. So uh, what can you say? I don't love his promos, but it's like he's he's got a really great possibility of, you know, he's, you know, they talk all the time about how young he is of like reaching a point when he's like, I don't know, 27, where it just like all melds together perfectly. And he's just really fucking good. Yeah, that I'm going to probably be thinking and distracted the rest of the show, trying to think of anyone else who is. <laughs> Overrated on promos and underrated in the ring because that is a unique spot. It really is. I'm not. I know. It's It's, tough. It's tough. It's really hard to to think of someone else. Uh, Maybe someone, one of our listeners will will think of someone. Uh, Okay, it's my turn. You guys have left a lot of really good stuff here. Well, I I thought I was leaving the Young Bucks match for Mike because they did a Yoshino tribute spot. I thought that was a layup for him. Yeah, uh, I was about to, but then, you know, just I coming off the main event, I was more feeling the main event because the, the tag match was great, and there was the uh, missile senton kind of homage with the indie taker there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was I'm feeling MJF right now, and that kind of surprises wow. me. You, would you say you feel like MJF? No, I do not feel like MJF <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot of good stuff left, so... It's kind of hard for me, but I've already teased what I was going to pick, so I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, my elite pick for the week is the No More BS Paul White versus QT Marshall feud. I fucking love it. This is not, well, I can't say that it's totally unironic because, you know, my brain has moved into a different plane. So it's just possible that it is ironic in some way, but I don't think of it that way, you know? Uh, but. <laughs> What we have is a genuinely good pro wrestling story. QT embarrasses this guy. And Paul White is like, wait, I've known this guy forever. I like this guy. Fuck you for doing that. And he comes out to stand up for this guy that he's buddies with. And QT, of course, has to be, you know, a dumbass and be like, yeah, well, here's your ass. Here's your hip. You're fucking old. You ain't going to do shit to me. And Paul White's like, again, fuck you. And it's like, what else do you want out of pro wrestling rather than a match where a guy gets pissed off about something another guy did, and so they have to settle it in the ring? Now, is the match at All Out going to be great? Yes, I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be fucking exquisite. I am more excited for this match than anything else currently on the All Out card. 
that's it. I, my, my laughter was not necessarily that I disagree and that I that I think it's going to be bad or something, but the way you set that up was such a surprise to me. Well, uh, I would love to just say that I have great comic timing, but honestly, I talked myself into it as I was thinking about it. I was like, no, this is going to be good, actually. I just think Paul White, no more BS, Paul White is going to deliver. The, the most surprising thing to me was seeing him walk out in the no more BS hoodie and thinking, I fucking got to have one of these. This is, <laughs> this is a great piece of merchandise. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I did. I liked the segment. I liked the few. I thought the highlight of this, and, and you touched on it, was the basis for their feud now has been escalated in a really good way from pro wrestling and the way qt played it was really great that he comes out and he's like again he takes it then really he's like hey I, I got all the privileged information in the back i know the score i know the truth and i know that you can't mess with me paul white because i'm going to air your business up here on the screen in front of everybody and embarrass you but you know he kind of played it in a uh, you know, phony, phony baby face kind of way or whatever, where he's telling the crowd, hey, show some respect. You know, this guy's a legend. Uh, that that was pitch perfect to me. I uh, really enjoyed that. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. You know, I, I kind of this is this is, again, maybe me just not not catching on to the way that AEW threads their stories along just yet. But, you know, when they kept kind of pushing the QT apology week after week and it's like, well, QT was going to confront Tony Schiavone this week and it didn't happen and we're just doing these throwaway mentions of it on commentary. It seemed like it was going into the back burner and it wasn't going to be an important thing. Um, but I think they really, really found the core of the, the story here with this segment. Um, <laughs> you didn't have, and you didn't need to necessarily include Tony's son just because it's a promotion that's obsessed with sons. Like you could have just had QT embarrass Tony uh, in the first place. And that would have been just as good, I think. But yeah, now am I excited for the match? I, uh, with the context that there's only going to be so many matches on All Out, and I'm going to the show. Um, you know, I was. <laughs> this does. I don't know that this makes any sense. This is just a weird expectations thing. I also have tickets to the Queen's show. I was excited for this match to be on the Queen's show. I'm less excited for it to be on All Out. I don't know why that is. Maybe just because the Queen's show yeah. is a dynamite. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, and I, I just, I, I would like the idea of pay-per-view matches to be like a more prestigious kind of important thing, maybe. Right. Uh, but that's where I'm at with it. No, it, it's something where... In a lot of ways, this match will catch fire from some bad faith actors because it's going to be like, oh, you're putting this on your big pay-per-view. But they've treated this really well. Like, as Aaron like said, like this is very classically done. And I got to say, No More BS has been nothing but a delight. The fact that he always knows something that no one else does in the promotion. Apparently, he's the only one who talks to Tony Khan, apparently, between this and the Christian debut. And just like the... He's a very affable person, and it's like the perfect role for him here. And it, this is like the first match he's doing. He's been in the promotion for almost six months, half a year. And it's just like, no, that's like a perfect amount here. QT is good at eating shit, and it's just going to be perfect. And I mean, we, we, we got to see some cake on TV. We got to see part of uh, uh, Paul White's uh, hip surgeries and Paul White being just generally a pleasant person just going like, oh yeah, you're showing me my big, beautiful ass. And uh, that cracked me up with this. And there's just nothing about this, but Nate, you're like dead on about 
thinking this is a dynamite match, not a pay-per-view match. And especially with how this pay-per-view has been constructed so far, it's just kind of like adding stuff to the show that really does not need at this point. I mean, you have, we do have the men's title match and we do have the idea of what the tag team title match is at this point, but kind of like a weird thing to kind of toss in there. But at the same time, I support my friends. I lift them up and Aaron, I'm so happy for you that you have something on this pay-per-view that you are unironically stoked for. And I hope you get that hoodie. I mean, it's a nice looking hoodie. Well, if, if they have it at Rampage, I will walk into the now arena wearing the No More BS hoodie. I'm, you'll be there in your hoodie. I have already picked out my tracksuit. I mean, it's going to be a look. I got to see if it's already up on uh, Shop AEW. So I said the, the real heat check for AEW right now is if they're going to make British accents. <laughs> I, I, can I, I don't want to cool again. I mean, I don't want to say hot again, but honest, hot again with Jamie Hayter, and they might be able to do it because they can just... Um, is it a harder rehabilitation project to rehab the British accent or no more BS Paul White, who the WWE killed for the better part of a decade? A decade? Uh, more like 20 years. Uh, well, yeah, so so yes, <laughs> you're right. Full, fully killed from his first day in the company, but, you know, did, did manage to get him some mileage out of him, like... 10 years down the line, same way they did with Mark Henry. But then in the very tail end of that, just absolutely buried him under the, the dirt beyond recognition. Uh, I don't know which one is like needs more rehab. Paul White, at least, has uh, you know not been canceled for any reason, uh, whereas all of Britain <laughs> is canceled. So I'm leaning the British accent at this point. Yeah. Well, that's good. they might be able to pull it off. We'll see. Do we think uh, Andrew Huntley in the in the YouTube points out, you know, having a, a quick squash, which, buddy, I would love to see that on AEW shows. I'm not sure. That'd be a great idea because I do think, and it, Nate, it may have been you who pointed this out, but it was someone who pointed out that this could be leading to a Paul White-Anthony Agogo match. Uh, and so maybe Paul White just getting the best of QT rather quickly would uh, go toward that end. That'd be great. Uh, I don't really want it to be a squash, though, because uh, Suit Williams had a tweet that really tickled me. Um, so I'm going to find it and share it that he wanted to, wants to see QT Marshall do his janky super junior offense on the big show. I want to see the big show take a wonky Sasuke special. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I fully agree. I also want to see that. This match can't lose. This match cannot lose. It can only be I'm, failed. I'm glad everyone has seen it my way. I uh, appreciate that, everyone. All right, the listener elite of the week. And remember, all you got to do is sign up for our Patreon and join the Discord, and you can uh, join in on elite or delete each week. Uh, new patron. I'm keeping this gimmick alive. You join the Patreon, you will get on this show. New patron, John Neve. I, I think that's how your name is pronounced, John. I hope so. John Neve, elite. He just says, Sting, which I can't believe we haven't talked about the opening match yet. It rocked it was great uh just a bunch of it was like eight minutes well it's like three minutes of walk and brawl five minutes of high spots it was great yeah it was great uh the spot where two brilliant things about the best spot in the match where the the chikara tag team 2.0 has all-time god of pro wrestling sting up for a powerbomb 
and the table is all the way at the far end of the ring. So they don't just put him down. They have to walk and carry Sting all the way and just let that anticipation build and build and build. Uh, and they fucking put him through the through the table. Crowd goes wild. And then Sting pops back up and no-sells it. And again, famous Chikara tag team 2.0, who gets a main event push on this promotion where they just debuted two weeks ago or whatever. Freak out and lose their minds. Uh, that was awesome. Just was a fun match. Just was this like wild freewheeling in and out. Sting looked like a god, and Sting was always cool. All right, let's move on to what we didn't like from the show, and we'll kick it off, of course, with you, Nate. So, what was your delete pick for this week? Did you say elite? I said delete pick for this D-lead week. Delete pick. Okay, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear the D. Just wanted to make sure I was in the right segment. I was going to scramble to pick a pick a second good thing on this show. Um, so Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears had a pretty good match on this show. Certainly exceeded my expectations. Um, I was ready to come on here and be like, oh, this is a great usage of Sean Spears where he's going to lose the match. Everybody knows he's going to lose the match. Um, but, you know, he, he plays an important sort of role in this story because he's got the stable association and he's got this background feud with Sammy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they just ruined the entire thing, the entire segment, Sammy's big, uh, you know, hometown return. Uh, honestly, the crowd could have been more up for Sammy than they were because uh, he's been, I think, presented really well in this promotion overall and done well for himself. Uh, but Sean Spears kicked out of the 630 and that was bullshit. <laughs> that was made me so mad. Uh, it's like one of the be- coolest, best finishers in the world in pro wrestling. Sammy landed it with like the full of his back on Sean Spears sternum should have killed him. He should have just pinned him right there. They gained absolutely nothing uh, by having Sean Spears kick out of that. And in fact, I think lost something because I think a lot of the people in the building had the same reaction I did, which is no, that's bullshit. It's fake now. I know it is fake now because he should not kick out of that move. Sean Spears is not on that level and uh, to be kicking out of, you know, super finishers, and Sammy, the, it's, it's just fucking great finishing move. Sammy Guevara should have killed him with that move, and it should have been over. Uh, that pissed me off big time. This was a match that like it felt like it had logical endpoints like four times, but it kept on going on. And that six thirty should have been the end. Like it was just kind of insane. Like good for Sammy just decided to like knee him, bust him open bad, and then do the GTH where he was where blood was everywhere, which was tight. But the match just went on forever. Like, they did, like, the Barricade DVD. They did so many things, like, at a certain point. Like, maybe I'm reinventing myself and I'm becoming an old-school guy where I feel like they just kind of went on forever and just did too much stuff, then it kind of lost all focus, whereas I appreciate MJF's armbar. But, like, this match just... It was my least favorite thing on the show, Nate. So I'm glad that you brought it up first so we could bury it together. Well, Mike, if you need to reinvent your pubes... You and all our listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, can deal with your pube problem. I don't know if you have a pube problem, Mike. This might be, this might be uh, too much, you know. I, I I mean I don't because I have <laughs> That's the right. Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. That's right. Our friends at Manscaped have cleared Mike for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Uh, Mike, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with this now. Yeah, Mike to, and, and you I, can kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. Uh, you just use Manscaped.com, uh, the code this is for 20% off. 
and free shipping. It is an out-of-this-world experience. Uh, it's taken off not only the U.S., but Canada, the U.K., across Europe, Australia, South Africa, Singapore. I know we have some international listeners, so anybody, anywhere can go to manscaped.com and get uh, the Performance Package 4.0. So here's what you get. You got the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer. It rules. It's got the 7,000 RPM motor. It's got the light that goes on and off. Uh, it's got everything you need. You got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Don't lie to yourself, gentlemen, listening to this show. You got some uh, some hairs coming out of the nose, coming out of yeah. the ears. And, and I'll say, the Weed Whacker, excellent job at it, the ears and nose. It's it fantastic. does great. I'm not going to lie. It's great. Uh, you also get the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, another thing that you need. The Crop Reviver for, you know, when you've had a long day. Uh, the package also has the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Uh, so that's the performance package 4.0. Go to manscaped.com. You can abort hairy balls and buzz lightyear that woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code This Is at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code This Is at manscaped.com. Your dick and balls need some help. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Just the most insane copy that Manscaped has ever provided us, this ad read. <laughs> I, I, there's a little uh, spreadsheet that keeps track of all the ads, and I just click through there. To, I'm like, come on, Manscaped, did you send me something new this week? They didn't. They, they gave us the old, uh, your space balls will thank you copy. But Their greatest hits. They're great yeah. hits. But seriously, go buy some things from <laughs> Manscaped. They've been very good to us. So we would appreciate it. All right. Um, along with your old pubes, Mike, what else are you deleting? I want to delete this Dan Lambert segment because, you know, I've been at the forefront on Dan Lambert. He is a man who is really engaging in the name, image, and likeness laws in a great way for Nate and my alma mater, the University of Miami. I have my new University of Miami t-shirt on right now. And it's the first half of this promo. You're in Texas. You're in a place where, you know, you don't necessarily need to do a dumb cancel culture bit to get heat. Like in Texas, arguably, like that's like the one place you could probably not have to do that to get heat. You might be cheered. I, I grew up in Texas. I I know these things, but uh, just completely like unhinged. Like first, like half of this promo that is just unnecessary. Cancel culture stuff is just lame. Like it's just lame, and it's it, it's like bad cheap heat. And they were able to kind of get it back together. That but then suddenly. Men of the Year attacked Lance Archer, who was coming out there, when you had Junior Dos Santos and, Ar and Andre Arlovsky with you. Two UFC heavyweight champions. So, like, what is the point of this? Like, using Dan Lambert to set up, like, this tag team that previously he said, like, he loved how wrestling was in Florida, like these, like the old school wrestling like this. And when I think about old school wrestling, I think about Ethan Page. Like, he's top of the list. When I think about old school wrestlers in 2021, it's Ethan Page. Just completely nonsensical. And I don't know, what, like, what kind of follow-up respect here. Like, are we going to expect that 
maybe because he is going to be in the country for a while. Maybe Minoru Suzuki is going to reunite Suzuki Gun, and since he's in it, since he's a former Pancrase star, that he's going to be able to like look out for it for Lance Archer, and that Dan Lambert will respect him at this point. Like it's just you had a really great like storyline and angle coming off of Miami, and completely was just done to shit tonight. I think it was mostly fine. I do, uh, you know, having having the UFC guys there is kind of novel, but because they didn't do anything, and I imagine because the UFC wouldn't let them do anything, I'm sure they're like, you can't get involved with anybody physically uh, on a wrestling show. I imagine that's just the policy. So, you know, they're kind of set dressing, which makes it just a little awkward. It's like, yeah, here's some UFC champions. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I, so I guess we're supposed to be excited by their names. Um, so that was too bad. If they were able to even just do like a pull apart with Lance Archer, that would have improved the segment for sure. I guess the idea is, this is again, me like trying to trying to rationalize out what I think the promotion's idea would be. You know, they're trying to legitimize Dan Lambert and communicate to the audience. Hey, here's why you should care about this guy. You don't know who this old dude is who promos and gets mad and frosts at the mouth. Uh, but so this is the stuff to show you. No, he's for real. He's for real an important guy in MMA. Um, and, you know, we're going to prove that by having these guys with them. You know, I, that kind of makes sense to me if that's, that's the idea they're going for. I don't think it worked. Um, so the promo itself, I don't know. The, the cancel culture stuff didn't bother me uh, because he's doing such an over-the-top heel thing where it's like I'm doing – heel Jim Cornette in relation to this in relationship to this promotion. The crowd, I mean, he couldn't be communicating more clearly to the crowd. Uh, you're supposed to think what I'm saying is bad. Like he's even, you know, cueing the crowd and leading them on an AEW chance. Like, Oh, I hate when you do those AEW chants and say that you like this promotion. Like, uh, so he's, he's kind of a cartoon character in that way. So when he also says, I think cancel culture is real and that you soft SJW millennials are bad. It's just like, oh, great. So AEW thinks those things are good because this guy's the most, you know, cartoonish heel character on the show. So that doesn't bother me. That's all fine to me. But yeah, you know, just having the UFC guys out there, but they're just set dressing and it turns into an attack by the many of the year. Uh, pretty, pretty flat outcome to, I guess, what what this could have been or what a more exciting version of this would be. You, you know, if they do, if they do Suzuki Goon, uh, and Minoru Suzuki is there uh, to be like, hey, you like MMA? Well, I uh, am from Pancrase. Uh, then it's all totally justified. And I'm like, yep, all makes sense. Great story. Very excited. This is going to kick out. Yeah, I I hear both of you. Your Both of your opinions are valid. I just want to say that. <clears throat> Thank you. And I'm begin. glad your headphones are working. To begin. Um, okay, so the, I'm of two minds about the cancel culture thing, which is one... I mean, it doesn't work in Houston, as as Mike said. You're right. Like, the crowd probably doesn't give a shit. But two, like, we know that Lance Archer is the guy that he's, like, promoing on. And, like, am I supposed to believe Lance Archer is offended by this? Like, uh, well, I'm, I, you know, I don't believe that. Yeah, the UFC guys are weird. And then I'm supposed to believe that Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page can just beat up Lance Archer and he, like, can't really do anything in response like, I think that sucked. We've seen Lance Archer, you know, I, I remember him in a in a, a wrestling ring when he was being introduced where he beat up, like, you know, 20 fucking people or whatever. Like, 
Ethan Page does not quite scare me uh, when it comes to Lance Archer. So that's kind of weird to me. Um, so, yeah, I think the segment failed overall. But, yes, all will be forgiven if Minoru Suzuki shows up. Uh, then that'll be cool as shit. And, like, I have to believe he will, right? I mean, he's obviously not in the G1. And this story just kind of fits perfectly. And, you know, they've had, like, Yuji Nagata show up. Suzuki's certainly more over with American crowds than Yuji Nagata. Uh, so, yeah, I would expect that that is where this is going. And, yeah, there was the story also that Moxley wanted to do a all-out match against a top New Japan guy or something. And it seems like that's not going to be Tanahashi now because he's back on one of the stadium shows for New Japan. Um, and, you know, I think uh, uh, the the other big successful matches that Moxley did in Japan were, I think, the Suzuki program and the Ishii match. So Suzuki would fit in right there, too, if that's that was the intent or, or the idea. Can, can they do Moxley versus Punk at All Out? Yeah, they can. Oh. I don't know. No, I think I think uh, I think you wait on that a little bit. Yeah, I'd it's, hold off. It's interesting because like the first the story of the first match for Punk can easily be he's been out of wrestling for seven years and he got his ass kicked, and then you see him like getting it back together. Yeah, but it's just interesting based you know because of the Moxley promo. Moxley apparently with Daniel Garcia is going to be the main event of Rampage. So if you're holding off Punk to the end of the show. Mm. He would presumably come out after Moxley has won that match. So, you know, just interesting. Moxley versus Punk. Uh, trying to think, <laughs> would that be uh, the biggest gulf between how entertaining a segment is and how over the guys are with the crowd <laughs> versus how shitty all the offense of the matches? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, it would I mean, be. you'd have to go back to a fucking Hogan match in the, the peak days of WCW where he's doing his back rakes or something uh <laughs> to get a comparable level of you know difference between offense quality to overness in the building <laughs> just imagine the topes they'll try to pop there yes that would be uh but it's like it's a huge match right uh yeah so yeah. it's a cool it's a cool match i don't it's not like the first match my mind goes to when i think about cool stuff punk could be doing here um but that the, certainly the promo made me more interested in it now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's a perfect face versus face feud of like, no, this is what I want. I'm going to prove to you why I can be a, why I want to be a top guy here or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the whole shield thing was contemporaneous with punk, which is weird to think about. I know. I was thinking like, Oh, is this a first time match? And they're like, no, you dumb fuck. They did like, a, a, yeah, but Certainly, I don't think they worked like a real sort of program or like a big match against each other. So I think there would still be that novelty to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's weird to think think back like, no, yeah, the Shield and Punk were definitely at the same time. But well, Punk, the sh- Punk feels so much further away to me. Well, the Shield were brought in as like, oh, they're agents of Punk. And then Punk was like, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. And it revealed they were. So like they're if you really want to cross streams, like there is a storyline there. Like you left and then I became something and then I went off my own and now you're here. Like there's a story there, but I think that it's something like Darby is such a layup at this point. And you, you, you go with Darby. 
I th- yeah, I think Darby is the perfect guy to beat Punk and then do like, hey, man, we respect each other. You know, you're back and you're on your way back up now. Uh, but we're cut from the same cloth, that kind of Okay, I think that leaves it to me. It's my turn to yes to delete something on this show. No, wait. Let me let me check the rotation. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There was there was there was me. Then it goes to Mike, me. and then yeah, it's, it's Mike, Mike and me, and then it's mm-hmm. Mike and Aaron, and then <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, Aaron, wait a second, Aaron and Mike. <laughs> no, don't do this to me, Nate. <laughs> don't do this to me. There was a lot of stuff I really hated on the show, um, but. I don't know. The Team Taz segment kind of sucked. I mean, it was just like... Wait, did, did you say there was a lot of stuff you hated? No, there wasn't a lot oh. of stuff I hated <laughs> okay. on the show. It's pretty slim pickings for, like, really bad stuff. You know, and the the E-Leader Delete in the Discord, like, almost every delete was about the Dan Lambert segment. So, I mean, I think everybody... Well, except Raw, most everybody agrees <laughs> that that was the low point of the show. <clears throat> but the, the Taz, the Team Taz thing was weird. They do this thing with Team Taz where it's like, ah, what if we just do the same segment eight weeks in a row and like see if that works? And so they just keep doing this uh, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks thing. They didn't really add anything here. You know, Hobbs beat Cage down. Cage, I guess, got back up. I don't know. I don't care. The only cool part of this was uh, Ricky Starks, you know, in Houston doing the the, uh, Slim Thug line. That was really all that I enjoyed about this. Otherwise, it was pretty boring. Yeah, I, I don't care about this feud whatsoever. So this was another another segment that didn't change that for me. Yeah, they I don't know why they get in these ruts with Team Taz. The 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 peak Team Taz when this first team first came together seems to have just evaporated. Uh, you know, Taz has still has great presidents, but he's not doing those intense two camera promos with a chip on his shoulder like he was doing originally. Uh They've just gotten away from that entirely, and I think it's it, it's worse for him. Um, you know, I like Ricky, and I I like the belt, and that's all good and well. But they they're just going in circles now, where all these guys only also wrestle guys within their own unit. Like even before the unit broke up, they were just wrestling each other. It seemed like. Um, and then it, the biggest problem of all is that it's all dependent on getting behind Brian Cage as this big baby face, and it, I'm just not. Not buying what they're selling on that doesn't work for me at all. Uh, he's a guy who totally need needed to have intense Taz in his corner to bring the fire and bring the uh, you know vigor and heel energy and all that shit. Uh, and now I don't know. He like popped up after that powerhouse Hobbs thing, and it was like, oh, this is where the crowd's supposed to be. Like, yes, Brian Cage is fighting back, and it just looked like a guy throwing pig punches to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's it's too bad. I I think they really squandered what was good and special about Team Taz. Um, and the, you know they almost almost got something back from it by doing the putting the FTW title on Ricky Starks. Um, you know that that individual match with him winning that in his hometown worked well. Uh, but now they just keep having to go in circles with this with this team and with this program. And it's something that like at this point it's doing a disservice to almost everyone involved when like eventually now I feel like there's an expectation of like, okay, th- this will be handled with like cage. And then, and then Ricky will be FTW champion until like suddenly hook debuts. And then, and then Taz is going to screw over Ricky and then hook's going to be FTW champion. And then 
what's Hobbs going to do? Well, then Hobbs will get angry, and then they're going to have even more infighting. And and I feel like no one really comes out the better out of all of this. Like, Cage, they, they, they've immediately exposed Cage's, like, worst tendencies within weeks of him leaving at Team FDW. And it's just really hard to care because of all the circuitous, just everything about it at this point. It's just... It, and it's something because like Ricky Starks is one of my favorite people in this company. And I'm just like sitting here going like, all right, what's the point of any of this at this point? Whereas I, whereas like when, F, when he won the towels, like, yes, no, this is going to be like the start of Ricky really kind of becoming a force coming back from the neck injury and becoming a thing. And now it's just like, Oh, we're having more squabbles and team Taz just, just circuitous. Like they just never like it's never going to end at a certain point. And I don't think anyone involved in this, stable at this point is really getting anything out of it yeah it's also like why do i care about the infighting of a heel unit it's like uh, i don't have a great metaphor for this uh, you know it, it's a heel unit so the audience's initial position toward them is like you guys are the enemies i don't like any of you you're a you know you're a bunch of thugs or whatever who run with taz and you beat up the good guys that i like and then they all they all decide to turn on one of the guys in their own unit. The natural reaction to that is like, okay, great, fuck him, fuck you too. I'm happy that you guys are all mad at each other and beating each other up. You don't go, oh, great, I'm so happy that this one guy out of the unit is, uh, you know, decided that he doesn't like the rest of you. It's not like he had, you know, some great moment of babyface moral clarity. I mean, I guess they tried to do that. They tried to say he respected Sting and stuff. But it just wasn't sufficient to, again, make Brian Cage work as a babyface. So you just end up saying, great, let them all tear each other to shreds. I don't give a fuck. It also doesn't make sense when Cage is like the biggest motherfucker in the in the promotion. Where it's like if they kind of like picked on Ricky Starks for a while and then he turned, that makes sense. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can get behind him. Also, Ricky is much easier to get behind as a babyface than Brian Cage. So it's just a screw up on a lot of levels that I think is going to lead to I guess another match with these two at the pay-per-view or something similar to that. That's going to be, it'll probably be a fun match, but uh, I would imagine the crowd will be uh, not very enthused. Yeah. I think we say this every week that they should have turned Ricky out of there and yeah, yeah, for you're, sure. you're totally right. And also, cause he can talk for himself. Uh, and then you keep Taz with cage and you have Taz talk for cage. It just not, also, Cage does, I mean, Cage is a fucking dumbass on social media and shit also, but he does stuff that's about the story that's like, oh, I never wanted to be with you. I never wanted to have this title in the first place. So it's like, okay, so you didn't want fucking the best program you've ever had in pro wrestling. You didn't want to be <laughs> featured better than you've ever been featured before in your life. Okay, so you're just even more of a dumbass. Okay, great. Also, Cage and Hobbs is a cool tag team, I think. So that would also be fun. Absolutely. If they'd done that differently, but here we are. Uh, our listener delete of the week. Damn it. I think I gave, I think I let table have one of these last week, but it was so much Dan Lambert. You know, I really just had to pick the, the non Dan Lambert one. And table says, I think this is an interesting point. After watching one hour of wrestling meeting rampage last week, this show felt exhausting after 80 minutes. I do think they, oh God, they put a lot of stuff into the show. They crammed a lot into the show, but you know, something we talked about on uh, the first episode of E World Tour, our new show covering Rampage, uh, is about like, how are they going to differentiate between these two shows? And I know it was just one hour, but 
that show rampage breezed by i mean it was like holy crap this is a great amount of time so if they let that show breathe a little more that'll be a nice uh differentiation between it and dynamite it's one of my favorite amounts of time one hour it's i mean classic you know, it, it, yeah classic there's not many i guess one hour is probably the best chunk of time period i maybe second place is 15 minutes that's probably the best just unit of time is 15 second place i mean you know after one hour um, after that, you know, it, it gets a little, a little less defined to me. Dicey at that point. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something that I was kind of remarking on this in discord as the show went on every like two months or so, they have a show that strikes me at like nine twenty. like, holy crap, all that stuff happened. I'm actually exhausted of like watching this right now. Wait, we have another 40 minutes left of this. And that happened to me tonight. Like, luckily, everything was really solid at this. But it just is one of those things that, yeah, one hour, perfect thing like this. I know that Dave Meltzer for a long time said that 90 minutes should be the ideal length of a wrestling show. I don't know. Um, 90 minutes, where's that rank for you, Nate, in your denotations of time? Mm, It's an awkward amount. I mean, it's great for a movie, but Mm -hmm. I think in the television context, it's just going to confuse people. So that's, that's tough. Um, I, I mean, if I want to, I'm going to blame, uh, Tony Khan for this cause he's the, the most apt person and I want to find someone to blame, you know, when you peak the show so early by putting the sting and Darby match on in the first segment, then you're burning a lot of the crowd's energy and focus. Uh, and then when you want to have that energy and focus for the one women's match that begins in the second hour, there's just going to be less of it. So uh, again, that's why I think traditional match order for cards is the best and you have moxley and eddie on in the first segment or whatever and you have your sean spears and sammy match and then maybe you do penelope ford um and uh thunder rosa and then you know you have the crowd a little more up for that than they would have been otherwise and then you're making the most out of every segment instead of min maxing your card Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, let's look at how they laid out this card tonight. We'll start at the the top. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston walk into the ring. 2.0 attack them. The first of three entrance attacks on the night. I was worried. <laughs> it was like the first three segments. I was pretty worried. Uh, the 2.0 is in the ring. They told Darby and Sting they just took out their buddies. So now they've got you know, nobody to help them. So that ran right into Darby Allen and Sting versus 2.0. Uh, during the match, you know, we had a long segment of like Garcia trying to make it three on two, Daniel Garcia, but Eddie recovering from the earlier attack, grabbing Garcia, dragging him to the back, and then Sting won with a double Scorpion Deathlock. Just cool as hell. Sting just firing back, acting like it was nothing. Dude, the double Scorpion Deathlock, and I thought it was going to be setting them up for the coffin drop, but no, yeah. Sting got to shine there because Sting should. I, I did want him to do a coffin drop while they were in the Scorpion Deathlock. I, I wanted that to happen. It seems like it'd be tough and probably painful, but it would have been extremely sick. Like Darby cares. Uh, and then we saw Sammy Guevara proposing to Pam, his girlfriend, now fiance. Uh, she said yes. 
Uh, Did she say yes? I mean, we were led to believe she she did. She certainly uh, hugged him and kissed Mm -hmm. him. She was wearing the ring when we saw her later, so that seems like a good sign. That is is part of the television show. That's part of the entertainment portion of the broadcast. Are you (laughs) suggesting this was a work, Nate? I'm just suggesting I did not see a clear and unequivocal uh, yes or affirmation that she intended to marry Sammy in real life in this segment. That's all I'm saying. Oh, wow. It is, are you saying this is the John Cena, Nikki Bella of AEW? <laughs> no, I'm oh. not. Because certainly, certainly they are in a real uh, relationship. And, you know, well, I, I get the impression from the Sammy vlog and stuff that they've been, in, been together a very long time and, you know, have a life uh, planned with each other or whatever. But, you know, maybe this is just she she's not a natural television actor. When we saw her in the match, a lot of the time, Sean Spears would be like making creepy faces at her or whatever, or pointing at her and doing all this shit. And Pam just would break and smile because, of course, it's absurd and ridiculous uh, instead of, you know, selling that she's scared or, you know, disgusted or whatever. Uh, but. You know, I think if Pam were a trained pro wrestler and somebody proposed to her in the ring, she would do a giant nod of the head and then pro throw her arms out wide to embrace him. And we didn't get that. You know, uh, Mama Spears has a theory that this was all a, a work between John Cena and Nikki Bella. Like she, like I don't, she. I don't, I don't think that theory is unique to Mama Spears. I think uh, that's a lot of the the gossip mags will have you believe that was all a work. Yeah, no. Uh, she does not know anything really about pro wrestling outside of Big Cat Ernie Ladd as a child watching it, but always shows up on the Today Show and loves it. I should try to see if she wants to watch Roads to the Top. I, I, I really think that, no, I'm not going to mind my mom for uh, Patreon content. You, you I should just... definitely mind your mom for content. I, I think we're all in agreement on that. Uh, if you're not going to get on the gas, you could at least have your mom do a podcast show. Uh, I did have to break the news to uh, my friends that the the proposals and denials in Major League Sporting Stadiums are worked. They're like, oh, they did a proposal on the big screen of the, the baseball game, and the woman said no and ran away. And be like, I'm sorry, that's a work. <laughs> that is not real. That, that is part of the entertainment portion <laughs> your, of the broadcast. Are your friends children? <laughs> no, nope, they're adults. Are these 12-year-olds that you're hanging they out are, with? They, they are baseball fans, apparently, so that might tell you something. Uh, baseball is a work also tell them that that i think everybody's coming around on yeah total work okay uh sean spears and tully backstage sean spears says when you're in the pinnacle you're always on top so he's gonna make pam an honorary member kind of rude i thought a little crude for me crass crass they like to be crude and crass to women in this promotion they do sammy guevara uh then defeated sean spears after he was attacked during his entrance with the GTA. Is he going to have to get rid of this finish if CM Punk comes in? Well, he would have had a great other finish to use if fucking Sean Spears hadn't kicked out of it. (laughs) I mean, Kenta has a lot of things to say. I'm surprised Kenta didn't straighten everyone up about using his moves when he He was here. Christian, I mean, he did he did endorse Danhausen using it, but said no CM Punk, <laughs> yes Danhausen, which is just the, the mind is a the guy is a comic wit. He he knows what's up. Christian Cage backstage with Tony. Don Callis interrupted, says he's known Christian for twenty five years. It's exciting. Christian's finally getting to wrestle Kenny Omega. Uh, Don Callis says he's still on top of the business after all these years, and Christian is still having wrestling matches. 
Uh, Christian says, you know, Don, you think you're in my head, but I'm in Kenny's head. I'm going to take the AEW title. But you're right. Things don't change. You think you're the smartest guy in the room, but you're still a carny piece of shit. Christian really trying to get this carny piece of shit over. Well, I was going to say, this is why, you know, Christian is over in a, a, a television star across generations, whereas Aaron doesn't like him because Christian knows you don't have to gild the lily. You just have the one line that's over and you say it over and over and over again on television. And then it gets even more over. And that's the WWE style where you find one thing that works and you just drive it into the ground. Uh, and people love it, and they love to say it along with you. Um, and that's what he did here, and short and sweet. And that's why uh, that's why his shit works. Yeah, I thought it was bad, obviously. Everybody knows yeah. that. Video recapping Dante Martin's performance in the six-man last week. Uh, and, you know, he points out he took Omega to the limit. He's going to keep rising until everyone knows his name. And, Nate, this made me think of a prior point you've made, that this is how they should be using replays to remind people of what's important. This was great. I put it over on the Twitter and it's like, yes, they should do this all the time. We see the exciting stuff. People are reminded about it. They see it again and they get even more excited about it. Throwing the interview on there was a, a nice touch um, to, to kind of give it uh, some a fresh element of content. So you're just not seeing, you know, the same shit over and over again. You're getting some new context or, uh, you know, character motivation from it or whatever. So yeah, this was awesome. I was, I was very glad to see that they found a place to, give him some time on this show after that, uh, you know, standout performance. Then we had the Dan Lambert segment that we've discussed at length. Uh, Chris Jericho's backstage. He said everything he did over the past four weeks was worth it because tonight he's going to get MJF one-on-one. He said, I might not have, I might not have Judas the music or Judas the effect, but I have the momentum and the fans behind me. Very funny. Real disappointed we didn't get a come on baby out of him. Oh, like, if he good. was going to really bring it back, he, he should have popped a come on baby one time. I think we had a tag title match, the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. Uh, during the match, we had Kenny hit Marco with a chair. He passed the chair to Matt for Matt's usage. Uh, Christian came out and speared Kenny as part of this. Ultimately, Matt pinned Jungle Boy after a BTE trigger. And then after the match, uh, Gallows carried out Christian. We had an elite beat down and then Omega hit the one winged angel on Christian Callus counted to three. Great tease on repeating the chair shot from rampage. The crowd totally bought that. Um, and so that was, you know, very effective. Uh, and then just a, a great series of near falls in this and pins being broken up and uh, jungle boy and Luchasaurus running wild on basically all six or seven guys or however many it was was awesome, and I think the crowd should have been even hotter for that. Um, do have to say, all these near falls and pin breakups and all this shit would have been even better if Sean Spears hadn't just fucking kicked out of the 630. <laughs> yeah, the finishing stretch was sick. Like, the BTE trigger out of the backslide was really a sweet piece of business there. Uh, I like The thing I like about this match, and maybe this was the thing that kind of held it back from it being like my obligatory elite of the week was that this was a match that really veered on that line of disaster and everything coming together and there were some moments with it that it veered a little bit into disaster but nick jackson was insane in this match nick jackson was incredible here and you know it was a nice i felt like that everything in this match especially for what happened afterwards did a smart way of kind of building up both of these title programs going to the pay-per-view also i want to shout out Brandon Cutler now putting the boots to someone while spraying them with the cold spray. Very funny. 
Brandon Cutler is such a good, just lackey. Like the absolutely. I, I know you don't catch this uh, uh, this YouTube show, but on Dark last night, he had a match with the Elite Hunter Frankie Kazarian, where he basically spent ten minutes eating shit, and it was incredibly amusing. It was great stuff. There, you got punched in the face mask several times, sold it like death, and then the finish was him fucking up the cold spray, and then and then just immediately getting the crossfade chicken wing. It was perfect. Then we had Britt Baker backstage with Tony. She brought out Jamie Hayter. Uh, Jamie said that Britt and she go way back, so she was happy to help her. And she challenged Red Velvet for next week. This should be good. Yeah, I, until she was like about to talk, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, usually you bring in this heavy and they're like the silent type. But Jamie right. can really talk. Like She's very charismatic. So that adds something interesting to this pairing, I think. Yeah, and uh, Tony in the background of this looks so crestfallen because there was a moment talking about Chris uh, Statlander. It's like, oh yeah, she's everyone's best friend. She'd be your best friend if you want to, Tony. And Tony looked like that uh, he had just was told that some holiday was fake. It was like he looked legitimately just heartbroken in that moment. Tony might have been the MVP because he was all over the show and he was great in every role. Then we had a Matt Hardy pre-tape. He said he's going to break Orange Cassidy's lazy nose. And Orange says, maybe we should find out about that. Uh, standout segment just because of Matt Hardy's pronunciation of Wheeler Yuta. Willard Yuta, he said, like <laughs> five times. <laughs> it, it had a little more of the, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was full Yinzer. I don't know if it was Yuter, but it had a little had a little twang on the end of the, the T. Well, definitely sounded Cameron. like he said Willard over and over. Willard Yuter. Yeah, I mean, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's not, I mean, Cameron, North Carolina is right next to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like, there I don't know if, I don't know if you've like looked at not, a map. Not there. sure about that, but no, okay. no, no. I'm fairly certain <laughs> that Cameron, North Carolina is just over the state line. Mm. All right. Sounds right to me. Fine. Uh, no more BS. Paul White came out and we had uh, that segment. Uh, and then we had a Jade Cargill and smart Mark Sterling pre-tape. Uh, they talked about Kiera Hogan and said they were elated to accept a match with her on Friday for Rampage, uh, especially after what happened with Fuego last week. Didn't really get the Fuego tie-in, but uh, a Jade match I'm, I'm positive about. Yeah, uh, you know, putting a big Jade match on a big Dynamite, so that's good to see. I'm, Rampage. Uh, big Rampage, yeah. It is Rampage, you're right. But it's a big Rampage. Allegedly. The elite are backstage with Tony. Un- undoubtedly. <laughs> and I don't I don't dislike this. Like I think kind of an unseen matchmaker is a good way to to make matches in a wrestling promotion. But it's like every segment now is like, well, I talked to Tony and Tony told me this. Uh so we get that here. Tony Khan has told Tony Schiavone that he's tired of what the elite is doing. Well, uh, fucking finally, you know, they've been cheating in every goddamn match for fucking eight months now. Where have you been, Tony? Finally, Tony Khan's tired of it. Well, he he knows it's best for business. He sees the the ratings going up and he's going, people love this elite cheating. Mm. Well, there's going to be an eliminator. It's like when, you know, when when Sosa and Maguire were going at it in the home run and it's like, you can't stop the cheating. Everybody's going (laughs) wild for all these dingers. That's true. Uh, there's going to be an Eliminator tournament. It's going to be the Varsity Blondes, Private Party, Lucha Bros, and Jurassic Express. Whoever wins will get the Young Bucks in a steel cage match at All Out. Hey, so the steel cage is justified because of all the cheating. Mm-hmm. That's fine. 
And we knew they were going to do a big eliminator for the tag title match because that's what they always do. But they're actually doing a whole tournament this time. This is progress, I think. It's better than a battle royal, that's for sure. Yeah, and this is completely justified. I feel like that using a steel cage here, like, yeah, of course, people could climb over the top of the cage here. But the original intent of the steel cage was just to be able to make sure that you could get your hands on the heels. And this kind of adds the variant of you get the hands on the heels because you get them fair in a match. And I feel like it's completely justified. And I feel like that this is actually they've been very smart about the use of the steel cage in comparison to other stipulation matches. And, you know, completely justified here. I think that's an awesome stipulation for all out. That, that actually might be AEW's best rehabilitation project so far is bringing the steel cage match and making it matter in the one that they did. Because that that had truly been driven into the ground where a steel cage match meant nothing but a ton of outside interference and people climbing slowly toward a door because you can escape by walking out of a door like that fucking makes any sense. So, yeah, you know, if they can keep this rolling and have another good steel cage match, then that might be their most impressive uh, reclamation so far. And I think and it's dangerous for me to try to think of old matches, as I showed earlier, but I think they've cheated in matches against all these people, all these teams. Oh, that would be a nice touch. At least Varsity Blondes and Jurassic Express. Probably not not private party. They probably haven't had a private party match since they've been heels, I don't think. No, no, you're right. But Lucha Brothers, they didn't get the full Lucha Brothers. They got uh, Penta and Eddie, and they cheated against them. So three out of four. I'll take that. I think that's good. Yeah, no, I'm with it. All right. Uh, then we have the Team Taz segment. Death Triangle was backstage with Tony. Pac accepts the match or, you know, says, yeah, he's going to have this match with Andrade. Uh, says he's going to beat. This was nice. He's going to beat Andrade in the same arena at the same pay-per-view where he obliterated Kenny Omega on only two weeks notice. And he says, what chance does a man like you stand against a bastard like me? Andrade interrupts. He says he has conditions. And they hand over the conditions, and it's as thick as the damn Obamacare bill, folks. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big stack of papers. <laughs> All I could think about was like those like Trump segments, you know, where, segments pro wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> where he would bring out like the big stacks of paper, you know. It's big, Trump, folks. Trump vignettes. <laughs> yeah. we're, supposed to, we're supposed to read this thing. Those Trump pre-tapes. That man. How's his territory going? Uh, this was good. Like, that's a great callback. Uh, that's think- great. Yeah, I think you guys are up on Andrade after his his match with with Omega. So a bit, a bit. And yeah, you know uh, that match fucking rocked. That uh, Pack and Omega match at All Out. So I've have high hopes for this. Kind of like this is a big moment. I feel like for Andrade and his perception post WWE, like the Omega match, like yeah, like he didn't sink against Omega. That was a fun match, but Pack is a different beast. Pack is as good as Kenny Omega, in my opinion, and we'll see how this like holds up here. And this is something that you know I'm really stoked about this match, and I feel like it's going to let me down, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to suck up to you. Mike, but Pac is better than Kenny Omega. I don't really Thank think... Thank you. I don't really find that to be controversial. I, I, I've i been saying that for a long time, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, this is going to... I think it's going to rock. I'm happy to... I, th- I think it's a false dichotomy. What do you think is a false dichotomy? That either one is really better than the other. <laughs> Somebody's always better than somebody. I mean, you put two people... Well, it depends, one of them is on better. What, depends on what metric 
Yeah, I mean, literally all I'm saying is I like Pac's matches better than Kenny's matches. That's mm. what I view as who's better than the other person. That's the, that, this this will be a tougher. I mean, the crowd will be hotter and there'll be more people in the building than there were for Triple Mania. Yeah. Uh, but they won't have the, you know, Ric Flair overbooking cheat to Ooh, You say that to, now. Uh, that's right. I just see you're right. I could be wrong. <laughs> could be proven wrong about that. But, uh, it, you know, I, I assume they won't have that crutch to, you know, really drive the mats into the next gear. Uh, so it'll, it'll be reliant on seeing if Andrade can go back to that IWGP Intercontinental Champion Lasombra level against Pac. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Penelope Ford was next. Uh, Penelope, do you think, apparently. Do you think- do you I think didn't... when I said that Lucha Blog was like, "Oh, that wasn't his best work, Intercontinental level, the fake, <laughs> fake Lucha fan you only know is New Japan stuff." I mean, yes, obviously that's true, but I wonder if that jumped out as like a a, a false uh, citation to authority. Probably. Uh, I, I mean, you should have talked about his NWA World Historic Welterweight Championship run. I didn't see that unless he was that champion at the time he lost his mask to Atlantis. I do not know if he was or was not. Sorry, Cubs. Uh, I have basically never watched Lucha in my entire life. So I first saw Sabra on like a Fantastica Mania tour or whatever. So there you go. It's just it's just how it is. Uh, Cubs also going to be at the United Center on Friday night. I saw him say on on Twitter today. So. We'll see if he, uh, he does be going to wrestling. He does be going to wrestling. See if we have a meeting of the minds. I, don't, I mean, I, but I think nobody knows Cubs, right? I think Rich Craig, I think, knows Cubs, but. Yeah, no, he, he's he, like myself, tries to remain incognito when <laughs> possible. <laughs> right. I was obnoxiously like talking to my friends at an AW show recently and was like, oh, no, if anybody listened to my podcast, they definitely know who I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I was yelling about, but I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's me. People probably recognize your voice. Uh, Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford. Penelope apparently are geared to make it to uh, to the show. So had to just work in her, I don't know, her normal outfit. <laughs> uh, I don't, I didn't assume this was not her gear because. Well, I think that was a Rovert scoop, my friend. So. Okay. It, it, it seemed like this uh, outfit was. Very resilient for a high level of athletic competition, which I wouldn't expect from a normal outfit that looks like this. Does that make sense? Uh, Yes, but Penelope even did a post that said, my luggage is not making it to Houston. Okay. And I think uh, our friend Rovert, I think he had another post where he said that she didn't have her her gear. She pulled it off, but I am, I, I think her normal gear is better. So that's good. Yes. Uh, Rosa won with a leg capture. Rear naked choke. Thank you, Mike, for uh, the the move name there. (laughs) Um, Interesting match in that Rosa was over as like a a Texan. People were into Mm -hmm. that. I just, I can't bitch about this stuff every week. I mean, I do. So I guess I can bitch about it every week. But it's like Rosa gets a great reception. They know they're going to be in Texas. How long have they known where this show is going to be? And all they do is like a little angle on dark that 20,000 people watched to build this match. Why not do anything in the weeks leading up to the show to, to build to this? 
yeah i, I guess i just got to give it up to the crowd that's still like oh, for hey, sure we're, we're uh you know you don't do anything with this woman apart from the one program but uh we still recognize how good she is and we're going to get excited for her and when the match turns and she gets the big reversal and leads to the win we're going to pop at exactly the right time so i was like nah, i don't know it still still seems to be working so i you know, can't complain too much. Well, as I said on uh, our world tour show, I'm glad that Jamie Hayter has been introduced with Brett Baker because that means you know she's going right. to get focused on. So <laughs> I, I listened to that yeah. and did pop for that. I was like, it, I, <laughs> the best place to be in the women's division is in the Brett Baker program. Yes. Get somewhere near her and you'll get some matches. So that'll be good. I wonder, has Rebel had more matches on Dynamite than Riho this year? Absolutely. Without looking at it, no question in my mind. I think, yeah, because I, I think she's had at least two. She's that's kind of fucked up, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty fucked up. Although we did just find out that Riho had, I forget what it was, but there the was some issue. Vaccine complications. Yeah. Yeah, so. Fair enough. Some issue. But, you know, that's uh, pretty recent. Uh, she has been on Dynamite exactly one time in 2021. And I'm fairly certain Rebel has had two matches on Dynamite in 2021 because she had the She's, one that she. Yeah, at minimum has had the same amount for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it's the one that she popped her kneecap out. Right. Yeah, I don't like, need. We don't need to look this up. I don't care that much. Well, I'm already looking it up, so really doesn't. Well, I'm, matter. Uh, yeah, I can tell you are, and I'm getting bored. Is <laughs> well, it's okay. Uh, Rebel in 2021 has appeared on Dynamite two times. Double Call it. Double. Nailed it. Nailed Double it. the amount of times that Riho has appeared. Put that stat in your notebook. That's right. Video, we had a video recapping Malachi Black laying out Arn Anderson, and then we got Arn and Brock backstage with Tony. And we learned that next week, Brock is going to have a match against Malachi Black. Arn is trying to talk him out of it, and Brock says, the match is signed. I'm not asking you. Fine segment. Brock was in his trunks, which is... Uh, appropriate for being the son of Arn Anderson, but did make him look like a lunatic. Uh, I need, I need Malachi Black to kick his head off and kill him. If they do a thing where where Brock Anderson gets a bunch of hope spots and he puts up a good fight, I'm going to be pissed off. They they've established that he's had a handful of matches and he's new to this. And yeah. He's making progress. They go out and have him go thirty seventy with Malachi Black. That's a failure. No, this match should not go longer than the one that Cody had with Malachi. It should go like two minutes. Like he like tries to get a headlock and then Malachi just like stands up and kicks him in the head. Done. Literally would be happy to see the bell ring and him just like Brock rushes him and Malachi kicks him in the head and the match is over. And take him out on a backboard. Yes, that would be pleasing to me personally. What's what's the Malachi Black program for All Out? Uh, kicking someone's head off. Like... I yeah, feel like that's pretty clear. Didn't, did he talk I, about? Didn't he talk about somebody else? Did he mention somebody else in one of his promos? He says a lot of things in those promos, and I kind of zone out. To be he's fair, he's got a great PWG program right now. I can tell you that. Oh, who's he facing PWG? Uh, it's him and Brody King against Taurus, Taurus, and uh, Demonic Flamita. Oh, Demonic Flamita. Yeah, that's Flamita Demonic. Can they yeah. just run that at? All out? <laughs> yeah, I'd be down for that. That'd be sick. Oh, yeah. Demonic Flamita should be on All Out. I mean, wasn't... No, he was not at All In. Never mind. No, but he was at AAW the night before, I think, against the Lucha Brothers. Yes. I think that's right. Uh, man, this All Out card just looks like shit. 
<laughs> as we think about it. Uh, we had a Miro pre-tape. He said, Fuego accepted something he did not deserve, so he could not be forgiven. Great retconning, or not even really retconning, but just great, no. you know, explaining Ex- what's going acknowledging on Acknowledging of reality, yeah. That's right. And well, then Miro we challenged a- Eddie Kingston. Don't know if that's an all-out match or Dynamite or Rampage, but apparently it's coming up. Maybe that's the long build to Queen. Queen. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that's true. We did find out one important thing from Miro in the segment. He upholds the Old Testament God, not the New Testament God. And everything makes sense. Yes. That tracks for me. We got the John Moxley promo. We got MJF versus Chris Jericho. MJF won with the salt of the earth. And that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, if you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. It's the best place in the world for AW coverage. We cover literally everything that they put out on our Patreon. So if you are realizing that AEW is about to be the biggest thing in the fucking world, then the place you want to be is the Everything Elite Patreon. We've got it all. We do Light, where we preview Dynamite and look talk about Dark, and we talk about the BTE and other vlogs sometimes. Uh, and- not, not really ever. It's just <laughs> pretty much just BTE. Well, look, BTE is, is fucking 30 minutes. I'm not watching another vlog on top of that. <laughs> that's fair. Sammy's vlog was 20 minutes this week. Like, that's an hour. Right there. Uh, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's 50 that's, minutes. Actually, you're one of your least favorite periods of time, if I'm correct. <laughs> no, yeah. this is the second best period of time. 50 minutes, not an hour. Oh, 50. 50. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, and you know, with all the, I got to do the warm up before I watch, then I got to do the cool down. It, it, it again it takes my whole evening to do that. So, yeah. And uh, we also have a, a new show called EE World Tour where we look at Rampage. Uh, we, Mike and I, did the first episode of Rampage last week. It was a lot of fun and very different from our normal stuff is we went uh, heavy into the actual matches. Like we talked about moves and shit. So Nate would not have enjoyed himself for sure. Uh, but then this week, uh, Nate and I will will both be in the building on Friday night. And then sometime presumably on Saturday, we'll get together uh, virtually, not not in person. And we'll talk about Rampage in our in our very own way. What do you think of our theme music for the E World Tour show, Aaron? I like it quite a bit. I like the, uh, as you pointed out, the the quick inhalation at the at the beginning. I think yeah. is a is a nice touch. I was not even uh, I was not even aware of that when I picked that song solely because somebody mentioned the word weekender on this show. Did you know that uh, Hatsune Miku 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 yeah, yeah. is uh, is getting a Funko Nate? Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know that. I would have assumed she probably had 30 or 40 by this point. <laughs> I don't know. Because they, they have certainly, I, I I would guess, upwards of 500 like uh, Miku figures and dolls and mm. shit. So Anyway, I just thought of that. Uh, anyway, so that's the kind of stuff that's on our Patreon. We also do bonus shows sometimes. There's another one coming up if you've been listening closely. And we have a Discord uh, that's a lot of fun. So join our Discord. And if you join the $8 tier, we do this uh, show, the weekly show, live immediately after Dynamite every week. And you can listen live and get the replay. So that's it. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Coming up uh, August 20th at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. The Tag Team Eliminator, Private Party versus Jurassic Express, Jade Cargill versus Kiera Hogan. 
and John Moxley versus Daniel Garcia. Tony Khan has also promised this will be a um, a singular event, unlike most wrestling television, and basically a once in a lifetime event. I think he said enshrined in wrestling history. That's right. I, Definitely I some appreciate cool matches that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I appreciate him taking my singular word from me. You know, I mean, he's a listener. I mean, he might be a patron. We don't know. He's he's finding out about the content. <laughs> I was going to say if he if he if he listened to the show, he wouldn't have booked so many attack angles uh, on the uh, directly whatever it was during the entrance attacks like Aaron shouted out. Yeah. Cuz that was my my big well, annoyance last week was all those. You're assuming that he is not as spiteful as say I am. Right. I mean, he may be doing it because well, we bitch about it. <laughs> no, if if he was going to do something to spite someone, it would be to spite you. I think. Yeah. I think he takes my 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 criticisms, my suggestions, and just go, hmm, that's a good point. I'm going to take that under advisement. I talk shit, and- that's for sure. That's just the way that I criticize. Uh, and then next week on Dynamite in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as Kara pointed out, uh, maybe the first time any of us has ever heard a British person say Milwaukee, as, uh, <laughs> as Jamie Hayter did <laughs> on this show. And we'll have Jamie Hayter versus Red Velvet, a match that sounds really fucking cool, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, Orange Cassie versus Matt Hardy, and Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson. That has a lot. It, it's interesting <laughs> now that we have like Rampage that we used to pretty much have the full card or close to it for Dynamite by the end of each show. Now it's kind of a little bit more like set up there and I'll be interested to see week by week how they kind of like flush out things between shows. What was the what was the segment? Orange Cassidy was standing in the back of an interview. Was that a Hardy Family Office interview? Is that where that when No, that was, was uh Oh, who was it? Was just it was, it, was the, it was the it was the Christian Cage interview after after yeah. he won the Impact. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, just standing around like a pervert. How did that go to him and Hardy? I, I guess they just jumped to the Hardy thing, which you know you can you can do that. That's fine. But I did. I was trying to figure out if those connected, but it seems like they don't. No, no. Uh, Hardy family office and best friends is an ongoing dark and elevation feud. Right, 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 right. So that's what's coming up. Uh, we'll be talking about those on the Patreon, uh, you know, previewing and reviewing Rampage, and or not previewing Rampage, but we'll preview Dynamite, we'll review Rampage. That'll all be exciting. We'll get to see some dark in person, Nate. I mean, I don't know. Are you going to show up early for the dark taping? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, yeah, it, it would seem wasteful to go for one hour. <laughs> yeah. Go all, the, go all the way to United Center for one hour. So I'm hoping they do some goofy, exciting appearances on Dark too. I mean, I imagine you have to kind of do a special Dark when you're in the United Center, right? You kind of have to go, you know, let's book a, a big match to anchor this Dark. Let's bring in some random Chicago guy to, uh, you know, do something unique on this Dark. I would hope that's the intent. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see. Uh, all If nothing else, Tony, if you're listening... Just give me the pink dream on this show. Just bring her back. Oh man, <laughs> that would be. Uh, I would get. I would get. Uh, uh, the Aaron's perspective on Mike when Pat came out. Except, <laughs> except it would be Aaron be like, "Pink dream, you're my mom." I don't know. Did that, you saw where I was going with that. Did that make sense? Yeah. No. Oh, right. Of, of course, Mike famously yelling that Pat is his dad. Except for you, it's the pink. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm willing to go with this. I would be yeah. so pleased if the Pink Dream is on this show. I just want to be very clear about that to anyone who's the listening mis- who has the power to make that happen. The mystery vortex element does make it more fun, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I mean, you know, uh, we'll probably get to see Hikaru Shida. So that should be fun. She works dark a lot. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Riho, so maybe not Riho. But, you know, you get to actually, you get to see some women's matches on dark. So mm. it, it can be fun. Emmy Sakura. Emmy Sakura. That's right. Emmy Sakura. Backstage. Yeah. And her friend are in the U.S. So. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. The, the, the friend being a joke that May Saruga referred to. Dustin Rhodes as Emmy's friend in a tweet. <laughs> but she did literally also bring Lulu Pencil over God, to be her friend. What if we get to see Lulu Pencil on Dark? Um, I would lose my mind. The the vibe in the literal United Center when a bunch of CM Punk fans are experiencing a Lulu Pencil match for the first time would probably fuel me for weeks on end. <laughs> Guys, I just realized something. There's a better than 0% chance we might be getting a Jay Cargill versus Lulu Pencil squash match on like an elevation. Sorry, but I mean, now all I can think about is Lulu Pencil versus the Pink Dream. That's all I can think about <laughs> until I die. Did they get Lulu Pencil a, a, a working visa? Like, they had is this going right? to happen? I, I, you would think. One would think. I, she... I would think because she was coming over in some context to help Emmy. Uh, you know. That's really fascinating. Something to something to look forward to going, you know, we've got our CM Punk's, whatever, Brian Danielson, who gives a fuck. Lulu Pencil's on the horizon. That's right. I mean, <laughs> she's a worker. You know she brought her gear. So Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah. She she learned the lesson of hot young Briley. <laughs> that doesn't matter how solemn an event you're going to, you gotta bring your gear. <laughs> oh God. Now I'm going to be disappointed if CM Punk shows up, but Lulu Pencil doesn't. <laughs> so I'm really fucking myself here. Oh, all right. I think that's the show. Uh, find <laughs> us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to use the promo code. This is at manscaped.com or go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe um that's it for mike for nate we'll see you next week Credit card bill.